2: From the TOJ Digital Studios. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet1. And it's time for Chronicles of Nannia. So for that, we bring in. The man who is the resident stat nerd over at TurnOnTheJets.com, Gang Green Nation, Elite Sports New York, Yard Barker, and he is now doing work with the very big deal Chris Nimbley over at JetsInsider.com. Of course, I'm talking about Michael Nania. Michael, how was your Thanksgiving, buddy?
1: Uh, it, it was great, definitely coming off of that Raiders win, but then the weekend gets ruined a couple days later with Gase special losing to winless team. Uh, we're getting plenty <laughs> of those this season, so at least we're getting used to uh, rock bottom here, which is which is really fun. So uh, lots lots of great numbers here to talk about about uh, how bad Gase was in this game, which is which is really fun to constantly talk about.
2: Speaking of the gay special, if you listened to the pregame report with Joe Blewett and I on Sunday before the game, you heard us answer mailbag questions, but you also heard us go through our keys to the game. And we talked about how the Bengals were the worst running defense in the league, particularly... On Outside runs because inside they had Geno Atkins and Geno Atkins is good enough to keep you at at least a league average level when it comes to inside runs so it would stand to reason that the Jets would run outside a lot because that would be playing into the opponent's weakness unfortunately Adam Gase didn't get that memo and decided not to do that A lot of people were upset about this because they heard Adam Archuleta talk about it a lot during the broadcast. And you and I both know this, Michael. Sometimes when these announcers talk about things a lot, they're pulling it out of thin air. They don't really know what they're talking about. It might be something that somebody told them. But in this case, Archuleta was exactly right, as Joe Blewett and I had talked about on the pregame report. And you've got numbers to back that up.
1: Yeah, it's definitely something I've seen people talking about a lot since the game. And and like you said, it's probably just because Adam Archuleta was bringing it up a lot on the broadcast. I don't think many Jets fans spent their week watching 0-11 Cincinnati Bengals film, and I didn't either, but I want to look at it to see if there was anything uh, to that claim that the Jets were running in the wrong direction against the Bengals, and they were. So the Bengals this season have allowed a league-high 633 rushing yards directed left end or right end, which is outside of the tackles, giving up 6.7 yards per carry on those, which is second worst in the league. And the Jets did not run outside, uh, which is a carry just officially directed in the box score as left end or right end a single time against the Bengals. There was one uh, run that was officially directed that way. That was just a Sam Darnold scramble late in the game. But of the 15 running back carries by the Jets, uh, none of them were left-hand or right end against the team that is the worst in the league at defending rushes in that direction. I went back and looked at all the other games uh, that the Bengals have played this year, and every other team has tried at least seven of those against the Bengals, and most of them were really successful with those runs. A couple of teams weren't that great. The Rams and Raiders were just decent against them, but every other team, especially the Ravens, where they played twice, and the Steelers, week, because that is one thing, the Bengals. They played Lamar Jackson twice, and he has shredded them. But even if you take his carries out, the Bengals have still allowed 6.3 yards per carry on those outside runs. And just a week before the Jets, the Steelers and their banged-up running back room without James Conner, down to a bunch of guys who who they had to pick up the season, younger guys, those running backs averaged over 7 yards per carry outside against the Bengals uh, just a week before the Jets. So it's not like this is something that has changed in recent weeks. It was there on film the week before the Bengals played the Jets. Uh, running backs were covering them up outside of the tackles and the Jets didn't go there once after every team has attacked that all season now it would it would be different if the Bengals weren't you know good inside or at least decent inside but they are decent inside uh, on runs directed left guard middle or right guard The Bengals have given up 4.2 yards per rush this season which is basically right around the league average of 4.1 and 18th in the league which is obviously much more respectable than Uh, Their uh, defense to the outside and 13 of the 15 Jets running back carries were in those directions. So really just this is actually a good uh, game planning point, Uh, general complaint by the fans here, because a lot of times I think we complain about things that, you know, we don't know too much about. You know, is the team motivated penalties, things like that that might not actually be on the coach. But this was a legitimate game planning gripe that I think fans had. With this game, and obviously, it was mostly brought up just by the uh, broadcast booth with Archuleta, but it's a legitimate thing. It was a good point by him, and it definitely turns out to be true uh, that the Bengals have been terrible defending the run outside and pretty decent inside. We know they have talent in there with Dunlap, Geno Atkins, uh, but the Jets ran up the middle all day, weren't very successful at that. Uh, They did start off pretty well on those runs, but uh, ultimately, they turned out to be really unsuccessful at those runs and didn't even try to attack the greatest defensive weakness uh, in the run game against an 0-11 team. Didn't even try to attack it one time. And again, it's not even something that's changed for the Bengals recently. Just the week before, the Steelers had a lot of success doing it. Uh, Every single team has tried it a bunch against them this season. So just just another example of Adam Gase trying to play 40 chess and just outsmart himself uh, with this philosophy that, you know, they think we're going to attack their weakness. So let's just uh, flip it on them and go after something else because they just totally expect we're going to go after that weakness. Just He's done that way too much this season, and it was a problem in Miami that's continued here. And what we talked about when they hired him, you know, we questioned, has he learned from his mistakes in Miami? Is a week of being out of a head coaching job enough for him to learn from those mistakes? And clearly, it was not enough for him to learn from those mistakes as he continues to make the same uh, just just overly smart, overthinking decisions in terms of game planning approach that he was making with the Dolphins. And this is uh, one of the top examples this season.
2: Michael, the example I gave to you before we started recording was back in 2001, Bernard Hopkins fought Felix Trinidad. And everybody that has ever watched a boxing match involving Felix Trinidad knows that Trinidad's biggest weapon is Is his left hook So Bernard Hopkins avoided the left hook By circling to his right And then employed his strategy of boxing Mixing it up a little bit inside Playing away from Trinidad's strengths And then at the end was able to get the TKO In the 12th when Trinidad's dad threw in the towel Trinidad's dad was his trainer It is amazing to me that what Adam Gase did was basically the exact opposite of that strategy that Bernard Hopkins had. And instead of saying, okay, I'm going to circle away from this left hook, he ran right into the left hook. And in this case, if we're making it an analogy to a boxing match, essentially got himself knocked out. Yeah, and with the
1: New England Patriots all the time, and I heard Bill Belichick say something like this on uh, the NFL 100 program they've been doing, uh, that basically what they all they've done throughout all of years there is just exploit the weaknesses of the other team, and work around their strengths. Just really build their approach around what the other team is good at and what the other team is bad at. And with Adam Gase, it just seems to be the opposite, kind of just uh, believing in his own philosophy and trying to make that work, trying to force that on the other team instead of just building around you know, what the other team is bad at. And the Bengals have you know, a winless team that has a really obvious weakness. Uh, in the unit that they're – they one of their weakest units this season, the Bengals threw about – uh, eight through like eight or ten games a season, I think, through each eight, nine, ten games a season. They had the worst rushing yardage in the history of the rush yardage margin, uh, the difference between their rush yards and the opponent's rush yards uh, in league history throughout uh, the first half of the season. So it's an obvious weakness for them. And then you break that down even further. It's the outside runs that have made that happen. And the Jets don't even go after it a single time. So it's just uh, probably the most obvious example of – Gase's uh, biggest flaw as a play caller and just overall game planner this season
2: and Michael the ironic part is that while Cincinnati's run defense is their biggest weakness the run defense of the Jets is their biggest strength in fact they're on pace to be one of the greatest run defenses of all time yeah it's
1: just remarkable as bad as the Jets have been this season and you know it's been a theme every single uh pretty much every year in this decade the Jets being good and while struggling in most other areas, but this year it's different. This is one of the best run defenses ever by a lot of metrics. They're giving up 2.89 yards per rush. That is the best in the league this season, and it's the seventh best mark through 12 games in the Super Bowl era, which is since 1966. Uh, and the thing is that makes their uh, their defense this season in terms of yards per rush really impressive. Is that yards per yard, yards per rush efficiency has been Uh, increasing here in the 2010s teams are running the ball less but they're getting more out of those uh, out of those runs so really yards per rush around the league in terms of the league average is higher than it's ever been so for the jets to be that high uh, in terms of the all-time rankings of yards per rush allowed is really impressive the league average for yards per rush this season is 4.29 so the jets are 1.40 yards below that if they can hold on to that it would be the best Uh, Rush yards per rush attempt versus league average margin in league history, beating out the 2000 Ravens. Obviously, one of the best defenses ever went on to win the Super Bowl by a very slim amount. The Ravens that season allowed a yards per rush average one point thirty nine below the league average. They gave up two point sixty nine per carry versus a league average of four point oh eight. So if the Jets can hang on to where they're at right now. It would be the best, uh, the lowest yards per rush versus league average uh, in the Super Bowl era, which is extremely impressive. And the thing about the thing that really makes what they've done in the run defense so impressive is that they're they're doing it in spite of these linebackers who are not good at all against the run. James Burgess and Neville Hewitt are both top ten among linebackers in missed tackle frequency against the run. They missed a ton of tackles. And then the guy who was playing a lot before those two guys, uh, who's now injured, Blake Cashman. Uh, he did not. He has not recorded a lot of missed tackles, and the reason for that is because he's had a hard. He had a really hard time getting into the play. He was often washed out or took a bad angle before the ball even got to him. So the Jets have, you know, they missed Avery Williamson and C.J. Mosley, two of the best run defending inside linebackers in the league over the course of their careers. Uh, and so if I if we told you before the season the Jets are going to be this good and run defense, you know, you'd believe it because the Jets have those two guys. In the middle, who are among the best at what they do, stopping the run at inside linebacker, but they haven't had those guys, and the linebackers replacing them have not been good defending the run. But yet, here the Jets are as one of the best Jets run, uh, as one of the best run defenses of all time. And it's a testament to that defensive line. And uh, Henry Anderson, Quinn Williams, Foley Fadakasi, Steve McClendon, uh, even Kyle Phillips has been involved. The DBs have gotten involved. Jamal Adams, obviously, has been great. Brian Poole has been involved. Bless Austin. Now's been great. Arthur Mo- Arthur Millett has been involved as well against the run. Really, everybody outside of that linebacker position uh, has pitched in to make this defense, uh, this run defense, one of the best uh, in the history of the league. And speaking of that defensive line, the guy who is uh, this is the defensive line of one of the best run defenses ever by the numbers that we're talking about here, and the guy who leads them in snaps is Quinn and Williams. So you know, before we go label, uh, labeling him a bust or anything like that. Uh, it's worth keeping in mind that he is the leader in, uh, leader in snaps and run tackles uh, on the defensive line that is driving one of the best run defenses in history without good linebacker play. So I think that you know before we ever, or right now as we're you know just about, what, 10 games into Quinn Williams' career here, before we go labeling him a bust or a disappointment or anything like that, uh, it's worth just keeping in mind that he has been a very important part of one of the, the most dominant run defenses in the history of this league. As much as it might might not seem like that with how bad the Jets have been this season, uh, the numbers they're putting up in run defense are pretty much unprecedented or really haven't been touched for a very long time, seldom throughout the history of the league. And Quinton Williams is right in the middle of that.
2: But Michael, I'm told that run defense doesn't matter and it doesn't <laughs> correlate to wins because look at how bad the Jets have been this season. In fact... There's a guy that calls himself Arrowhead Analytics on Twitter, and he wrote this, I tweet a lot about run defense not mattering. That bothers people, but here's why I do it. Run defense isn't predictable over a season. Run defense over a season doesn't correlate to wins. Run defense within the game barely correlates to outcome. It just doesn't really matter. Now, Michael, I'm going to let you talk about this because you've got some really interesting stats that prove that it does matter, but I will say this. You and I have discussed this. Of the four major things that you need to do to try and win a game, run defense is fourth most important. You've got passing offense, passing defense, rushing offense, and rushing defense. Run defense is the least important of the four, but that doesn't mean it's not important. And the best analogy I can give here is if you're a baseball fan, you know That yes, hitting and pitching are far more important than fielding, but fielding's important. And if you've got a team that has guys that can't field, you're going to lose several games over the course of a season because of that. So even though hitting and pitching are much more important than fielding, fielding does matter. And even though the pass defense and the pass offense matter a lot more than the run defense, doesn't mean the run defense doesn't matter.
1: Yeah, that's a really good analogy to sum it up. And anytime you talk about run defense, you have to preface it, uh, just acknowledging that it is the least important of the four facets. You know, pass is more important than run, and generally offense, especially today, is more important than defense. So run defense is the least important of those four because we see it all the time now. There are uh, teams throughout the 2010s that have been really good at passing and not that great at anything else, but they've been able to win because it's such an important focal point. It has such a variance between the best and the worst teams in the league in terms of passing offense. And then uh, on the other side, we've seen teams with really good secondaries and not uh, that aren't that great in other areas win a lot of games. The Bills are a great example this year. Their run defense is solid, but it's about league average in terms of DVOA. But what they've done against the pass has been really good, and they've won a lot of games that way, even though their offense hasn't been that good this season, only about average even below average by uh, if you look at DVOA. but uh, And we saw the Jets in 2010 win with Darrell Revis in a great secondary. Obviously, they are good against the run as well, but the core of that team was the secondary. So we've seen teams win just with the passing offense. We've seen teams win just with the passing defense. But, you know, to win with just a run game, and the Ravens are doing that this season. So, again, offense uh, be, being more important than defense, it is possible. The Ravens are showing that this season. And we've seen teams in the past win strongly uh, with the just a dominant run game. Although passing is more common than that, especially today, but run defense is not something you can win with on its own. And we've seen that with the jets throughout this decade, they've been consistently great there. I mean, you put all these years of the 2010s together, the jets have probably been the most dominant run defense by pretty much any metric of any team, in the league yet. They haven't made the playoffs since 2010. So no, you can't win with just run defense alone. But it it's still something that matters, and like you said, just like fielding and baseball, no, it's not as important as pitching or hitting, but it does matter. It can come a game can come down to that uh, in the playoffs at, at any time, really, any game. Uh, and it's not to say run defenses like special teams, like kicking field goals or something like that. It's obviously much more important than that. But really, the example you brought up with the Chiefs, I think Chiefs fans should understand that you know, especially this team this year. Ah, uh, that run defense does matter. The Chiefs, in their four losses this season, have averaged a run defense EPA, which is estimated points added, of negative five point five, which is about the lo- that would make them the worst run defense in the league over the course of the whole season. That's how good they played. That's how bad their run defense has been in the four games they lost this year. They played the Texans, they played the Colts, uh, so they and the Packers, three of the best running teams in the league, they lost those games. So you know, and also in the AFC Championships uh, last season. Uh, that game finished off the Rex Burkhead touchdown that was fouled up just a couple plays before that by 10-yard Rex Burkhead run in the red zone. So you would think Chiefs fans would know that uh, run defense could make a difference for them. If you swapped out the Jets, the quality of the Jets run defense with the Chiefs, that, that team could have two, maybe even three more wins this season uh, rather than being eight and four right now. So a no, run defense is something you can overcome. The Chiefs can still win a Super Bowl playing run defense the way they are. That's why they're eight and four because they have a great quarterback and they're good at other things. Even their pass rush and pass defense is okay, but you can overcome it while some of the other facets are harder to overcome, but it does matter. And the chiefs could be a lot better if they had a good run defense. And the chiefs aren't even the worst run defense this year. The Panthers have been atrocious this season. They've given up 22 rushing touchdowns. It's the most of any team through 12 games since the 2000 Cardinals. So uh, the Panthers, if you look at, they just gave up over 230 rushing yards to a Redskins team that has been terrible offensively this season, especially running the ball. The Jets just dominated them a couple weeks ago. Uh, they've been destroyed week after week on the ground. And same thing as the Chiefs, their uh, run defense EPA in the games they've lost has been terrible. They have the worst run defense EPA this season, uh, and DVOA as well, I believe. But um, if that team had the same quality of run defense as the Jets did, you elevate them from their historically bad run defense to the Jets' historically good run defense, then that Panthers team probably has two, maybe three more wins this season. They've been that bad. So uh, really just in general, run defense, yes, it's not as important as rushing offense, passing offense, or passing defense. It's the least important of those four facets, but it's something that matters, and there are a lot of teams. There are a couple teams this year, like the two I just mentioned, and there are plenty of teams in years past that could have been a lot better Maybe won some key playoff games, come through in key moments in the playoffs if they had a better run defense than they did. But uh, it's definitely something that matters, and people kind of overlook a little bit. And I definitely think that's the case with the Jets because you know they've been so good at this for so long, uh, while not you know winning games because they've been bad in other areas. But even just look at this team. And you said it when we were talking about this earlier. But the Jets would be the Bengals right now if they had an average or worse run defense. They're not beating the Cowboys. Uh, without a good run defense. They made so many huge stops in that game against Ezekiel Elliott, the all-time leader in scrimmage yards per game. And they're probably not beating the Giants either. Saquon Barkley was banged up for that game. The Giants O-line isn't the best, but the, the Jets had a historically dominant run defense performance against him. They held Barkley to one yard, and yet they still only won that game by touchdown, even though they scored a defensive touchdown in that game. So without that run defense against the Cowboys or the Giants, they're probably not winning those games. And, you know, who knows what happens against the Raiders. You know, they held Josh Jacobs to his worst game against the Raiders, and they did a pretty good job against the Redskins as well. So who knows what happens in those games. But uh, just because the Jets have been bad while being good at run defense, it doesn't mean run defense doesn't matter. They'd simply be a lot worse if it weren't uh, if it were for how good they are at run defense. And, and, you know, who knows, maybe being worse without the run defense would give them the higher draft picks they needed to, you know, make a comeback and actually be a good team. But uh, run defense does, it, it's its a the facet of the game that I think gets the least respect. It does matter. Uh, there are a lot of teams that would be a lot better if they did have a good one. And the Jets this season are doing it at a historically uh, dominant level.
2: It's truly ironic, Michael, that the guy who tweeted that out calls himself an expert on analytics and the Chiefs Yet, he couldn't figure out what you just pointed out, which is the fact that if the Chiefs had a better run defense, they probably would be 10-6 and six instead of 8-4 and four at the very least. Yeah, and especially you look at the
1: teams they lost to. They lost, uh, lost to the Colts, they lost to the Texans, the Packers, and the Titans, and those are some of the better rushing teams in the league. The Packers are 8th in rush offense, the Colts are 6th, uh, Houston is about middle of the pack, they're 18th, but they've had some big games. And Tennessee is is 13. So those are three teams or four teams that are all middle of the pack or better, running the ball. Uh, you know Tennessee, Derrick Henry's a run first team. Uh, even since Ryan Tannehill took over, that's still been the focal point of what they've been doing. The Packers have been, uh, they've really been one of the best red zone offenses in the league this season, and that's all because of their run game. The Colts, we know, they're a run first team. So those are four of the more run heavy teams in the league, maybe excluding Houston, but we know they still. Uh, can make some plays running the ball. But uh, those are some games against, you know, good competition, four teams with 500 or better records. You know, they might see Houston playoffs. They could see the Colts. They could see the Titans. And, uh, you know, maybe running can come into play there too. So run defense does matter. But it's ironic because the Chiefs are uh, a team this season that has one of the teams that have been hurt the most by run defense. But I do see where they're kind of coming from because, you know, the point they're trying to make is that, yes, you can win in spite of it. So, yes, that's true the Chiefs. Are still a Super Bowl contender. They're in play. They're going to win that division. Uh, they're going to be at least a fourth seed. They still could get a first round bye. But they're a team that could win a Super Bowl with uh, the struggles they have in run defense. Yes, that's true. But at the same time, they they could be a lot better. They could be in a better position right now to get a first round bye, and you know, just looking like a better overall team going forward uh, if they were good in run defense. So it's something that does matter a lot. And doesn't get as much respect as it should because sometimes it doesn't correlate but you know the the broncos this season are are, just to kind of compare to how sometimes the correlation doesn't mean anything their pass defense has been pretty solid this season really their defense overall has been pretty good and you know this is the fourth season in a row now the broncos are going to miss the playoffs with von miller so apparently pass rushing doesn't matter either but you look at the chiefs they're uh 30th in run defense DVA, right behind the dolphins one spot above the jaguars so you know it just goes to show if they, if their run defense was a lot better, they would be a much better team. And obviously they can improve it going forward. But it it does matter and people don't give it uh, they don't value it as highly as they should. It doesn't matter as much as the other facets, but uh, it can be the difference between being a good team and
0: a great team. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax and get decent sleep.
2: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Michael, let's shift from run defense to pass defense. I was amazed when you pointed this out to me, but ever since he entered the game against the Giants a couple of weeks ago, Blessing Austin is the number one graded coverage cornerback in the NFL. That is insane. Now, to be fair, we criticize PFF all the time, and we are at the end of the show going to do what you're talking about, PFF. But our general rule, Michael, is that if PFF comes out with a grade that we like because it favors one of the players on the Jets, we run with it. So what went into this grade? It sounds like at the very least he's got to be playing pretty well, even if he's not the best coverage corner in the league, which might be a little bit of a stretch on PFF's part. To get to the point where he's being graded as number one means he's at least playing pretty well. Yeah, I mean, whenever
1: the... Whenever PFF says something good about the Jets, that, that we agree with, we're going to run with it. So uh, that, that that's just kind of the gist of it. If, if you say something I agree with, it's definitely right. If not, it's definitely wrong. But in this case with Buss and austin I, I agree with it 100%. Not that would I say he's been the best cornerback in the league since he's took over? Probably not. And, you know, I haven't watched every single cornerback in the league. Very few people have. But, you know, he's playing at the level where he could be in that conversation. You look at the numbers – He's given up since he, took, uh, since he came into the lineup against the Giants. So over his four games uh, since making that debut against the Giants, he's been targeted 21 times, given up just 10 completions. So that's a 48% completion rate, which is very good. Only 77 yards allowed. That's less than 20 per game, at, uh, 19.3. On average, 7.7 per completion. The league average is about 11, so that's very good. 3.7 per target. The league average is about 7.5, so that's extremely good only four first downs given up. So only about one per game, only about 19% of targets. The league average is about 35%. So again, really good. No touchdowns given up and he's got four passes defended, which would put him on pace for about six for 16 over the course of a whole season, which would usually be top 10 in the league. So all those numbers, it's a four games ample size. They have not played the best competition in the world. The Raiders were a pretty good offense coming in. Uh, the giants Redskins, rookie quarterbacks, uh, and then the, the Bengals this week, Andy Dalton and, uh, and an 0 11 team, uh, they've not been very good this season. So the competition hasn't been good. But at the same time, uh, we talked about this a lot. Just because the competition isn't good doesn't mean there's a bar to clear. And no matter how good you are over this four game stretch against the, or unless you are a superstar player, I think you would expect these numbers against these four teams the Jets have played. But I think that's uh, goes to show how good these numbers are. Have been even like, for example, Darrell Roberts, who just got shredded by the Miami Dolphins uh, in Miami a couple weeks ago and lost the Jets that game. Um, the Jets have seen plenty of cornerbacks lose them games against bad teams uh, this season and over the past few years. Uh, would we expect him to put up these numbers over this four game stretch? Not even come close to this, I don't think we'd expect him to. So, uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, well, it does matter because it would be more impressive if they're playing better teams, but. Uh, even in spite of the competition, the fact that he's been able to put up numbers this dominant over this four-game stretch. And keep in mind, this is a guy who didn't play in the preseason. Didn't even get to practice with the Jets until the regular season started. Uh, a guy who's come, coming off of two ACL surgeries. He did not have a lot of preparation for this, but he's come right in. And with playing with a team that has really struggled at cornerback all season, and you know, really, for a few years now, just come right in and played really, really well. Has not given up anything over the top. He's come down, tackled really well underneath. He's been good in run support. He's played the ball really well. He's he's just playing really well right now. And the numbers that he's given up in coverage uh, support that really, uh, really solidly. And even in run defense, he's been active. Uh, he made that fourth down stop against the Raiders. He's come underneath, and you know, there's one play against the Redskins that could have been a potential 20-plus yard game after a missed tackle uh, near the line of scrimmage, but Austin came way in from, you know, out on the left side near the sideline and made a play in the trenches that kind of held that from being a big play. So he's been really active uh, again, made a lot of plays on the ball. He's tackled well uh, in the run game and both coming down when the passes have been underneath, he's made a few really solid tackles uh, for about probably less than three yards. At least I'd, I'd say about three of those or this four game stretch. So overall he's been very solid and, Again, we talked about Arthur Millette as a guy who we were giving credit to. He struggled a lot in this game against the Bengals. So, you know, that doesn't bury him. He played poorly, but he was solid in those three games uh, games before that. So, uh, for now, Austin's playing really good. Hopefully, he can keep this up because he does look like a legitimate potential keeper going forward. But you take it week by week. If he can keep this up for the next four games, then... Uh, having a whole second half that good then he definitely looks like uh, someone to be confident about going forward but if he struggles a lot the next four games then maybe these first four weren't so legit so uh you can't completely write you, at the same time you can't just you know write him off write him in just lock him down as a complete future hall of famer great starter anything like that you can't just you know guarantee he's going to be good because of four good games to start his career especially against softer competition but at the same time you can't completely write it off either because we as we know this team there have not been a lot of cornerbacks regardless of who the Jets have played that have played nearly as well as Austin has has been playing over these past four games when's the last time a Jets cornerback who playing outside every single snap when four games gave up four first downs and wasn't beat over the top a single time it's not happened a lot but Austin is doing it right now in his first four games after barely even getting to practice in the NFL so he's really impressive right now And uh, hopefully he can keep this up over the final quarter of the season.
2: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. One other player in the secondary who's been very impressive is Jamal Adams. Unfortunately, his run this season may have come to an end. It doesn't look like he's going to play against the Miami Dolphins. Who knows if he'll be ready to play against the Ravens? And at a certain point, he may just be shut down. We have to find out more information on the ankle sprain. But he has been outstanding this season, and you dug up some tremendous stats on him. Yeah,
1: what Adams has done this season and you know, he was great last season as well took a huge step forward, but he's conti- he's just progressed even more this season and there is no other safety in the league that's just able to make an impact in as many different areas as he is. Currently there's not, but if you go back through history, the guys who you would mention alongside him who have been able to do that are, you know, some of the most recognizable names ever. But uh, what he's been doing this season making an impact as a pass rusher, run defender and coverage uh, no one else in the league has been doing. He leads all safeties and pressures with 17 sacks, with six and a half touchdowns, with two third and fourth down stops with 14, and a third and fourth down stop is tackle short of the sticks, uh, pass defended, or a sack on third or fourth down. So he's got 14 of those that lead safeties, and he's also given up the fewest yards after catch per reception. Among safeties to give up at least 10 catches. Only two yards after catch allowed per reception for Adams, so a testament to his tackling ability. Even in coverage, uh, he has not given up anything after the catch. So he's second among safeties and fewest yards per target allowed. So just uh, taking it all together yards allowed per target in coverage among safeties who have seen at least 20 targets, 4.6 yards per target allowed. That's second best among safeties. He's got six run tackles behind the line of scrimmage. That's second among safeties as well. Two forced fumbles, that's tied for second. So he's just been everywhere making plays. He's making the, spl- the splash plays now. He's got the interceptions. He's got the fumbles, the sacks. He's just, he's, he's doing everything. I've said it already like a bunch of times right now in the last two minutes, but everything a safety can do, he's doing really well right now, and it'll be interesting to see how the Jets play without him, because uh, obviously he hasn't missed a game yet. He's been a huge part of this run defense, and the Jets not being terrible in pass defense this season, although they've been you know below average for the most part, just had a terrible game. But the Jets have not been as bad in pass defense as you would expect them to be with their talent on the edge at cornerback, and Adams' coverage is a huge part of that. So it'll be interesting to see how they do without him. In, in both phases, they'll miss his pass rushing, they'll miss his coverage, they'll miss his run defense. So it'll be interesting to see which uh, phase of the game they miss him the most in because he just makes an impact in so many different areas that, uh, there are a lot of people at a lot of different positions who have to compensate for what you lose when he's not going to be out there.
2: Jamal Adams has been elite this season, but the offensive line has been anything but elite. They have been beyond terrible. This might be the worst offensive line group that the Jets have ever had.
1: Yeah, and this and the, the offensive line is playing, you know, slightly less terrible over that three-game win streak, but I think their improvement was overrated a little bit because, you know, they... Sam Darnold was still succeeding in spite of no run game, taking some pressure and having to dodge those. And the Jets were doing, a, they were doing a good job kind of rolling him out away from the pressure but all that changed against the Bengals in what was maybe their worst per, or the Eagles game was pretty bad but this was almost, especially given the level of the competition, uh, was almost as bad as that game in uh, the competition for the worst O-line performance this season. Darnold was pressured on 46.3% of his dropbacks against the Bengals which is Four percent higher so significantly higher than his season average of 42.4 percent which is second highest behind Daniel Jones on the season so even worse than his uh, how much pressure he's taken on the season and this is against the Bengals team that came into the game ranked 29th in pressure rate so not a team that's great a lot of pressure this season but Darnold pressured even more than his second ranked season average uh, on the year and the run game is the same issue the Bengals came in one of the worst run defenses in the league as we know we talked about that earlier and you know part of this you can blame on the play calling for not attacking the right weakness but jets running backs average only three and a half yards per attempt only 0.7 yards before contact per attempt and obviously just 0.7 yards before contact is not going to get it done and it doesn't uh, take a lot of high quality analysis to really get that Uh, this is one of the worst run defenses in the league and the jets couldn't get anything going Uh, against them and again if they ran the ball outside maybe things would have been differently and uh you know to Gase's not his credit but just to give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here the jets tackles obviously are not very good in the run game neither are their tight ends but you know their interior guys aren't good at run blocking either they're pretty much just as bad as anyone else is so it's not like the jets have a particular strength or weakness in the run game they've been uh consistently bad across every direction this season so it would have made a lot more sense to attack outside, but still just the run blocking did not come through in this game against a really bad run defense. Jets only picked up two first downs on 15 carries. That's a 13.3% first down rate, even worse than their 32nd ranked season average of 15.7%. So uh, just in both phases, pass protection and run blocking, terrible performance against a team that's been uh, one of the worst in the league defensively in both pass rushing and defending the run.
2: Michael, let's close out like we always do. Let's ask the question that always needs to be asked. What you talking about? What you talking about? What you talking about, you talking about PFF?
1: Yeah, so there are a couple good ones this week, I, and I think it starts at the cornerback spot. So the they gave Maurice Kennedy. I, I've, 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 I've just been calling him the Canada guy. <laughs> I think that goes a lot better. But they gave him a higher grade than Austin. They gave Arthur Millette a higher grade than Jamal Adams. Then Brandon Copeland, Steve McClendon, Nathan Shepard. Uh, and those two guys were obviously at the root of the coverage issues against the Bengals. And it, it's interesting because their own numbers are a part of that. PFF gave them credit, those two guys, for six first downs allowed, three each, but they're still giving them a high grade, even though they didn't even play as many snaps as Bus Austin did. 65 snaps for Austin, 46 for the Canada guy, and uh, 28 for Millett, and He still gave up three first downs in that limited time. So just, I don't get it. I don't get it. Those guys really struggled, but they still got decent grades in this game.
2: It's why PFF should only be believed When they're giving out grades that we agree with That involve the Jets looking good Like when they say that Blessing Austin is the number one coverage cornerback in the league Since the Giants game That's when you take PFF seriously Otherwise, you should probably ask What you talking about, PFF? Curious to see what will cause us to say What you talking about, PFF? Next week, as we get ready for this rematch this weekend Coming up between the Jets and the Dolphins It's not in sunny Miami this time it's here in New Jersey, so if you want to go see the Jets and the Dolphins and you don't have your tickets yet, you want to get good tickets at a good price, go ahead and download the Vivid Seats mobile app right now and use the promo code OVERTIME at checkout. You'll get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. You can go to that Jets-Dolphins game, or you can go to something else. If you want, you can go to a wrestling match, you can go to a boxing match, you can go to a concert, a hockey game, a basketball game, anything you want. Whatever it is you want to go to, just download the Vivid Seats mobile app, use the promo code OVERTIME, and you will get yourself up to 100 bucks off on your very first purchase. Michael, thanks so much for coming on this week for Chronicles. Really appreciate it. Fun show as always. For everybody that's looking to read your material in the 675 places that you publish it, what do you got cooking?
1: Yeah, I pretty much tweet it all out on my account, retweet anything that I write Uh, Jets insider really excited to be there started already done a couple there looking at the uh, updating the Jets rankings and all all these advanced stats and uh, rate statistics stuff like that updating their rankings every single week looking at that after each game going to be doing that uh, over the course of the rest of this season then the offseason hopefully going to be doing a bunch of draft stuff with Jets insider and particularly on offensive line I'm really looking forward to actually digging into a bunch of O-linemen in this off because everyone knows we really could use some more O-line uh, with the Jets this season. I'm hoping for an all O-line draft. I'd be all for that, but uh, really looking forward to doing some cool stuff for Jets insider, but uh, anything I uh, write will probably be tweeted out on my account. But um, yeah, for the Jets going forward, um, obviously the uh, fake playoff hopes are out the window. So we're back into that evaluation mode that we're so used to seeing in December every year. But um Obviously, it just all comes down to Sam Darnold. I'm really excited to just keep watching him and hopefully uh, seeing him progress each and every week. So, and, and the thing with this team is that there are a lot of young players you can root for. It's not like we have to watch Tremaine Johnson or some old wide receiver, although we do have Demarius Thomas. But you have Sam Darnold, you have Le'Veon Bell, Robbie Anderson, Jamal Adams, Wesson Austin, Quinnon Williams, Vadakasi, so many guys to root for on this team so even though the playoff hopes are out the window uh there's a lot to be gained for the jets over these last few weeks and i'm looking forward to it and they they got three really good opponents over those last three games it's probably going to be a sleeper this week against the dolphins although i think they'll win that game but three really exciting opponents uh to end the season and lots of young guys uh to hopefully continue seeing progressing down the stretch and most importantly darnold so hopefully and and also for darnold three really good defenses to finish the season so good tests for him so it should be an exciting final quarter uh final quarter of the season even though again we got to watch uh, no stakes football which is really disappointing
2: definitely disappointing that there's no stakes involved here but as you said plenty of good young players to watch down the stretch and see how they do as we get ready for the evaluations leading up to the draft so that we know what the jets need of course offensive line at the top of the list and maybe what they don't need to spend that much draft capital on. Go ahead and follow Michael on Twitter at Michael underscore Nania, N-A-N-I-A. Read his work in the 675 different places that he publishes it. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.